This is Andy Wakefield, and this is the Andy Wakefield Podcast. This is a place where stories are told that have never been heard before. Welcome back to the Andy Wakefield Podcast. I'm your host, Lori Gregory. We left off in our last podcast learning about Michael Oldstone and the wrong strain of measles. Was he pushed or did he jump? To tell you the second part of this story, you need to be introduced to another character. And that is a character that, that, uh, called Mark Peppers, Professor Mark Peppers. He's a small man with a huge ego who was at the Hammersmith Hospital in London, and who, which was the Royal Postgraduate Medical School. And he was offered the appointment of Professor of medicine at the Royal Free, my medical school. He was therefore offered the appointment to come and be my boss. I did not know it at the time, but this is what comes about through legal discovery, is that Michael Oldstone had said that he would not take up the position unless I was thrown out of the department in the medical school. And in the medical school, people said, no, we don't want to get rid of Andy Wakefield. Why, Why would we do that? They call this bluff, and he took up the appointment anyway. And his principal job when he got there was to remove me and um, end, effectively end my career. I didn't know it at the time, but Michael, uh, so that uh, Mark Peppers was heavily, heavily involved with GlaxoSmithKline, who were not only the manufacturers of the majority of the vaccines in the UK, including MMR vaccine, but he was involved in the, the development of a drug called, I believe, Pentraxin with them. Um, and so he had a huge conflict of interest. And I they hired that, him anyway. And well, they hired him anyway, and his, he, he then set about destroying my career. And he invited me to his office one day, and there was, he, he was there with the dean of the medical school and the secretary of medical school, and he said, you no longer form part of my plans for the department, and I want you out. Now, I had a tenured job, and they couldn't get rid of me legally, but they can engineer it so that you end up making coffee and doing nothing else. And I wasn't prepared to do that. We had to finish this job and answer the question about vaccines and autism. So I realized that at that point, the game was up. And I said to him, you can see how the conversation went. From there. Mark Pep is, is uh, yeah, he's a piece of work. Anyway, uh, we, we went our separate ways and um, I left, the Royal Free and, and moved to America. But he did effectively destroy. And the next thing I, I, I got after our meeting, he in that meeting, he said to me, um, tell me about your collaborations. And I said, well, one of them is a collaboration with Michael Oldstone at the Scripps in California. Oh, I know Michael Oldstone. Yes, yes, yeah, I've known him for years. I told him about this and he wasn't in the slightest bit interested. Well, it just so happens that he got in touch with Michael Oldstone. And I got a call from Michael Oldstone saying, I, I'm very disappointed in you. This is the end of our collaboration. For no reason at all. There was no explanation. And I flew out to San Diego, went to La Jolla, and I tried to talk to Michael Oldstone about this, about what, his, what could possibly be the reason for ending this collaboration, which was yielding results and which, um, which was awarded an excellent by the University of California. It made no sense at all. Mm-hmm. And he was not forthcoming. He told me that he was very disappointed in me. I told him I was very disappointed in him. We went our separate ways. And um, that was really the death of, of, of that project. It was very sad. Um, and I didn't know the background to it. I didn't know quite how it had come about, um, except that I had disclosed to Mark Peppers, who knew Michael Oldstone 
the fact that uh, that we were working with him. Mm-hmm. So we then move forward to the General Medical Council, and this is the great value of discovery in the General Medical Council proceedings. We were entitled to discovery. And so we got discovery of all those people who were involved in my departure from the Royal Free and the circumstances of the 1998 paper. And one of those is Mark Pepys. And so we got access to all of his emails about this issue, all exchanges. And there was a fascinating story. So what had happened following our meeting is that there had been communication between Pepys and Olson. Before Pepys was at the Royal Free? No, he was at the Royal Free at this stage. Mm -hmm. And he had made his intent clear to get rid of me. Mm-hmm. at this stage and he wrote to Michael Oldstone and Mo- Oldstone wrote back and said dear Mark this is going to cost you two pictures now Mark Pepper's mother was something of an acclaimed artist and she had drawn two nudes that Michael Oldstone rather coveted on a visit to London he'd seen these and he rather liked them and so he said to Mark Peppers, dear Mark, this is going to cost you two pictures. Mm. Wasn't quite certain at that stage what was going to cost him two pictures. And then this whole scenario played out. The contamination of the samples, the discrediting of O'Leary's laboratory, the embarrassment of the whole, all of the scientists involved before Congress and C-SPAN, therefore the world. Um, the rendering of John O'Leary's laboratory incredible in the context of the detection of measles virus and therefore highly questionable in terms of evidentiary value in the OAP proceedings, the denial of five and a half thousand children, any compensation and therefore the denial of children compensation similarly affected thereafter, had a huge knock-on effect, a massive knock-on effect. Mm. And it started with this exchange between Peppers and Oldster. Dear Mark, this is going to cost you two, two pictures. pictures. And at the end of this email exchange, at the end of this chain of communication between these two, when everything had been done, when the collaboration had been destroyed, when John O'Leary's credibility had been destroyed, when these children had been thrown out of vaccine court, Pepys wrote to Oldstone and said, Dear Michael, when are you coming to London? Your two pictures await you. So, there you have it. This was a bribe that had been enacted by a professor of medicine in London, determined to discredit me and get rid of me from his department. And Michael Oldstone in California, it appears to deliberately, in his laboratory, contaminate those samples so that John O'Leary would appear to be incredible as a molecular biologist. 
Unbelievable. And that's an extraordinary story. It is an it's extraordinary huge story. Risk. And it goes back to California yeah. again. And without discovery, we would never you have never would have known. known. And it really came down to the fact that Michael Oldstone did not understand the technology that John O'Leary was using. Despite the fact that it was described in the in the protocol that we prepared together, mm -hmm. he did not understand that John O'Leary was using cloned fragments of the virus as positive controls. And therefore, the detection of measles virus in his samples at the level that it was found in both genes, which therefore could only have come from whole measles virus or whole measles virus RNA, could only have come from Old Stone's laboratory. And because he did not understand that, it, it, it appears that he made a fatal error mm -hmm. in what appears to be a, an attempt, a deliberate attempt, a successful attempt in this case, to pervert the science and have this impact on everybody involved. But there you have it. Whatever else you have, you have a bribe involving two senior scientists on different sides of the Atlantic. Unbelievable. Um, conspiring together to destroy the reputations of people who they perceive to be a threat mm -hmm. to the world's vaccination program or whatever else they were doing. Now, how long between when this happened did you discover the two pictures? I discovered the two pictures exchange in in uh, in the proceedings of the General Medical Council, which was well, what was that around two thousand and seven? Mm -hmm. um, again, I uh, dates elude me. I I'm not sure quite when everything happened. That's okay. Happened, I'm it, wondering how long <clears throat> you had to wait in suspense until you got an inkling of what mm -hmm. was really going on, and if it was a surprise to you, if it was shocking, or it was just business as usual. No, it was, it was, it was, it was shocking. You know, I, it takes quite a lot to shock me now, but that was extraordinary. It was also quite amusing in as much that here were these two guys who considered themselves to be wonderful scientists, great sleuths, great men, you know, and, and they were conspiring, not only conspiring in this, what appeared to be a clear fraud mm -hmm. to me, but, doing it through a process of bribery, which was discoverable through the documents that they'd exchanged. They were so arrogant, they never thought this would see the light of day. No. They could write to each other freely about sure. this and think that Nobody no one would, would ever, ever see know. it. That's sure. right. And that they had completely failed, certainly Oldstone had failed, to understand the science. There was this great science, you know, scientist, um, and he didn't get, despite the Coombe Laboratory, John O'Leary's laboratory, writing to him and trying to explain what the basis of the technology was. He didn't seem to get it. Uh, so this story is appearing in a book which will be coming out by um, Patrick Tierney, uh, my great friend and, and collaborator, John Patrick Tierney, hopefully in the not, not too distant future. But um, it is an extraordinary tale. And I, in the, I got, then got a, a, just a, a brief follow-up to this. There was mm -hmm. a, uh, in, on BBC, it was announced, Pepys was on the BBC and he announced that he was going to do an investigation of the Wakefield fraud oh, at the Royal Free. He was going to lead this. Of course, he was the right person to lead it because he had no bias, no conflict of, of interest course. whatsoever. 
and he was going to lead and he was going to reveal to the world what the villain Wakefield really was. This is the basis of it all. And um, I wrote in letter to the provost of, of University of London. And I wrote to him, it's very interesting that you should have selected Mark Pappas to do this. And I welcome, uh, uh, you know, an investigation of my science. I have no problem with that sure. at all. But you may want to, you know, look for someone else to do it because Mark Pappas may not be the ideal person. And I went on to describe in bullet point how he had been involved in a bribe of a senior academic from another institution, um, which led to my departure from the Royal Free and the discrediting of me and of John O'Leary. Mm -hmm. And that um, on that basis, and if he doubted a word I said, he should ask Mark Pepys for his email correspondence with Michael Oldstone from the relevant period. And um, on that basis, he might consider that Mark Pepys is probably not the ideal person to conduct this investigation. The investigation never took place. Mm. Now, if I had misrepresented the facts, if I had defamed Mark Pepys in some way, he would have sued me. Mm -hmm. Of course. He ran as fast as a little man with short legs can run. <laughs> and that's the kind of thing that's happened i'm afraid that is the sort of thing that has taken place in a desperate effort to contain this issue to pervert the science to destroy those who are investigating this issue but it was um it, it's a wonderful tale um Pepe's pcr and paintings or I don't know all wrapped in one <laughs> well it, it sounds like a little bit as if Pepys was rewarded by his appointment. That could have been part of his... Well, I think Pepys took the appointment on the basis that the only way he was going to be able to put an end to what I was doing was to actually be, be my your boss. boss. That's and, right. that's, and, and he also, he was so vain that he wanted to be head of the department. I, you know, sure. that's no question. So oh. he, he, he's deeply unlikable little man. But... Um, well, we're, That's a we, we in the health freedom movement are extremely happy <laughs> that that occurred because otherwise you wouldn't be making the incredible films that you're making, which That's are such right. an important part of our journey in helping educate the world about everything that's you know, led up to this moment in time. I mean, I really am intrigued with the idea that you can't know where you're going until you know where you've been. And that's why I think it's so important that you tell these stories. We need to really bring to light all of the steps along the way that led us to this place. This didn't just happen overnight, no. right? And you, you are one of the few treasures that we have who's, you know, historically, you've seen it. You've been there. You can, you can document for us the journey that has led us here because you've, you've, been, you've been involved in it now for decades. Are you ever surprised? We just keep hearing the same kind of narrative over and over, the, cor the collusion, the corruption. It's almost as if, yeah, I agree. Yeah, thank you. Thank, thank you, dogs. for yeah. <laughs> emphasizing that. You know, you, you think it can't get crazier, and then it just, it does. It just can, it's almost unbelievable, really. It is extraordinary. What, it, what is extraordinary is the risks that people are prepared to take to achieve their objectives. And then they get found out. Now, you may say, well, there's going to be no consequence for Michael Oldstone. There's going to be no consequence for Mark Pepys for having done this. They're still going to be regarded by their colleagues as you know, 
wonderful scientists and oh we don't believe that anyway it's wakefield saying that we've got all the documents we don't have to rely upon my memory or um my your interpretation my dodgy character (laughs) we can rely on hard copy and i wouldn't say this if we didn't of course these were not i'm sure you wouldn't be telling this story if it weren't completely Mm. you know documented but where are they now are they still i guess they're still doing what they sure you could care less i I couldn't and they're old and they're probably decaying somewhere i am Good luck to them, frankly. But and living with you know the choices you've made. Yeah, living with the choices they've made, and I think they'll justify those choices based upon where we are now in the measles narrative. You know, they'll say, "Oh, thank heavens, we saved all these children by you know whatever means we had available to us, and whether they were fair means or foul, they made, that's what they did." And they'll go to their graves believing that. And good luck to them. <laughs> You know, it's it's strikingly similar in nature to the Merck case currently ongoing with the two scientists from Merck who are claiming that management forced them to falsify data. So well, management the tried, to, tried to force them to falsify data and they refused. Mm-hmm. And um, that's where it all came from. In other yeah. words. Uh, and uh, that's an extraordinary story in and of itself. And it's, it, I'm a little reluctant to say anything about that case at the moment, only because it's, it's still it's ongoing, headed, right? hopefully, for court. Mm-hmm. What will happen? Will there be a settlement? Will we ever get to learn the truth? Hopefully, yes. Hopefully. Um, but it's, uh, that's a current story. We'll um, have to save that for another save podcast. Save that for another podcast, <laughs> yeah. Now, you said we were going to have a cliffhanger. Is this our cliffhanger? <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell me that wasn't a cliffhanger. No. We're going to make that a cliffhanger. Is there more? I was there's, well, there's, more. there's many the more stories. There's many more stories. Like this. But, um, wow. But this, that was one wonderful example of blatant getting caught out. Mm. Getting caught out and just so obvious. I mean, I love that. This is going to cost you two pictures. That's crazy. wonder where he hung them. Yes. Too bad it's not in a jail cell. Like the albatross around his neck. <laughs> That's right. Think, yeah. Hope he's enjoying them in his later life when he has to reflect on his choices. Yeah. Wow, so interesting. Well, thank you. Mark Peppers, I just, by the way, <laughs> Mark Peppers, in the midst of all of this, called my line manager, my boss, um, Roy Pounder, Professor Roy Pounder, and he said to him, where can I get single vaccines for measles, mumps, and rubella for my grandson? Stop it. <laughs> You've got to be kidding <laughs> I'm me. I'm deadly serious. Where can I get single vaccines? Why, oh, why would you want that, Mark? Yeah, why would you? It's a oh, perfectly safe one. Of course, safe and effective. Yeah. That's the problem. The great ironic twist. Wow. Thank you so much for that story. Pleasure. Pleasure. More to share. Absolutely. We look forward to it. You've been listening to the Andy Wakefield Weekly Podcast, a place where stories are being told that have never been heard before. This is a Seventh Chakra Films production in collaboration with Brick City Creative. Please follow and like us while you still can on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at 1986 The Act, and soon on Sphere.